fellow ghouls and goblins, welcome to a bonus After Dark podcast. I'm Gemma. And I'm Emily. And this time we're going to look at creepy legends and objects that are featured in popular culture. So what are we starting with? So we're starting with the Bloody Mary legend, which is featured in films, books and TV shows such as Supernatural. I do you love Supernatural. Is this anything to do with Mary the First? No. So Mary the First gained the nickname Bloody Mary due to the number of Protestants she had put to death during her reign in, att- in an attempt to re-establish Catholicism as England's religion. Some people have incorrectly connected it with the legend of Elizabeth Bathory, who legend says bathed in a bath of virgin's blood to keep herself looking young. You can learn more about her in part one of our female serial killer After Dark podcast if you're not already up to date. She wasn't very nice. Okay, so tell us about the legend of Bloody Mary that you're talking about. As with all legends, there are multiple versions. An early version of the legend said that in a darkened house, a young girl should walk up the stairs backwards holding a candle and a hand mirror. As she gazed into the mirror, it said she would either see the face of her future husband or a skull representing the face of the Grim Reaper, which would mean she would die before getting married. Possibly from walking up the stairs backwards in the dark. Who's walking up the stairs backwards? I mean, really? With a candle. Asking for trouble. Neither of us should ever try that because we will die. Yes, and possibly or... kill the other person at the same time. <laughs> Set something on fire. Absolutely. So the more commonly known version of the legend is that you stand in a dark room in front of a mirror and chant the name Bloody Mary a number of times. Now, there are multiple versions of the phrasing, what you need to say and what happens when she appears. One account states that you say her name 13 times and she will appear and scratch off the face of the person who summoned her. Another version is that you chant the name Bloody Mary 13 times, spinning each time. And as you pass the mirror, her face will appear. Another version is that saying Bloody Mary seven times will cause Satan's face to appear. And the version I grew up with was saying Bloody Mary three times would cause her to appear in the mirror. So basically, you just need a dark room and a mirror. It depends on the version. Some also call for the mirror to be illuminated by a single candle. Another states there needs to be a lit candle either side of it. Either way, dark room, open flame, mirror. I mean, we say Mary, but... Are there any other names that this legend goes by? Yes, so you have Bloody Mary, which is the most common version, but there's also Bloody Bones, Hell Mary or Mary Hell, Mary Worth, Mary Worthington, Mary Wales, Mary Johnson, Mary Lou, Mary Jane, Sally, Kathy, Agnes, Black Agnes and Aggie. I mean, that's a lot of names. So you said there's variations. So is there variations in what would be chanted? Yes. Mary or whomever won't appear unless correctly summoned. And why should she? And again, there are different versions. So one version states that the summoner must say, I believe in Mary Worth. Another claims the summoner must shout, Kathy, come out. Um, Another says, you must say, Bloody Mary, I killed your baby. And in some versions, the message to Mary is repeated just by one girl who is either a volunteer or selected by the others saying the chant. Okay, so you've got the right name, you've got the right ritual. What happens when Mary appears? Again, there are variations. Some agree she appears as a figure, sometimes covered in blood, and just kind of stares at people. Uh, Another version says she might strike the person who summoned her dead, or drive them mad, or scratch their face off, or simply peer malevolently out of the mirror. Beyond that, some claim she drank the blood of the person summoning her, 
or she would steal their souls or scratch their eyes out or she would drag them through the mirror to live with her. I mean, I can't imagine why you'd be trying to summon her, to be quite honest. Is this, well, is this the only thing that can be conjured? Popular culture has, had, has added to the legend. For example, the Candyman film led to people calling for the Candyman rather than Bloody Mary. I haven't watched that. I feel like it's probably too scary for me to watch. It was um, also a case um, I read about in... I think it was either America or Canada. I can't remember exactly now. But somebody had watched the Supernatural episode where Bloody Mary appears in the mirror and the way they got rid of her was by smashing the mirror with her reflection in. Yeah. And became so convinced that they'd somehow summoned Bloody Mary that they broke all the mirrors in their house, which is a lot of bad luck. And we talked about that in our Superstitions podcast. We did. And should I just repeat it just for fun? Yeah, why not? So the reason uh, we say seven years bad luck for breaking a mirror is actually because back when people had servants, if a servant broke a mirror, it would take them seven years of their wages to pay it off. But then mirrors also like um, have that supernatural thing, don't they? Of, like seeing souls and reflections and things. Mm. So back onto Mary. Who was she? Some people believe that Mary was a witch who was executed for using black magic. Um, another more localised version is that she was, and this tends to depend on the region, but that she's a local woman who died in a car accident, which saw her face mutilated. Um, another version is that she was murdered in front of a mirror, um, and so somehow her soul went into the mirror, but nobody has a definitive answer, and I'm not sure I want to summon her to ask. No, that seems a little bit dangerous. I mean, mirrors creep me out anyway. Mirrors when it's dark are the worst thing in the world or you haven't really got much light and you walk past it yeah because um people uh i was watching most haunted so i'm not sure how much of an academic source that is love but they most had people i love most haunted but they had people staring into a mirror in a dark room and then they said they could see their face changing or a face appearing but i kind of feel like some of that could just be if you stare long enough in a dark room your vision's got a strain or there could be a smudge on the mirror yeah exactly or a lot of it can probably work on your own brain as well like tricks on you as well but it also really freaks me out when you see those pictures on the internet somebody's like taking a picture and their reflection is doing something different to their face and you're just like well that's just no i was told never to have a mirror at the bottom of your bed see i fully understand that that would freak me out Mm. Because imagine like not really being fully awake and seeing movement. It's actually you doing the moving, but seeing movement, like that would be absolutely terrifying. Yeah, no, no mirrors in the bedroom. So I never understand why people are like, oh, mirrors on the ceiling is so sexy. It's like, no. No, no one wants to be seeing that. Not that. My brain is like, what if that broke and fell and decapitated? Me? I mean, that is also a fair. I mean, if you're thinking Final Destination films, that would 100% happen. Nope. Mm-mm. So what's next? Next we have the haunted doll Annabelle, who was made famous or became more famous in the Conjuring Universe films. And I went to see this in the cinema with my other half, one that came out a couple of years ago, and it's while we were at uni. And do you remember that period where we had like three or four essays due in over like a week and a half? Yes, that was terrible. Or, yes. So it was kind of at the end of that, and we decided to go out to, you know, help me relax. So I'm half asleep in the cinema because I've been put in some all-nighters. Yeah. And then 
my other half and several other people started screaming and I ended up with a lap full of Diet Coke. It's not ideal, really. It's not. My other half says to me, oh, I don't scream. Nothing really frightens me. It's like, you screamed a lot watching that film. I do think films are scarier in the cinema when you're seeing it with other people, like the anticipation builds, doesn't it? Yeah. I can't remember what we went to go see. Um, but we went as like a uni trip and I sat there with one of my friends and it's a scene where they're walking through like kind of like the back room of our house and there's something stood behind the doorway and you can kind of see out the corner of their eye like, mm. and me and my friend looked at each other and went oh my god that's a doll like as, as a person it's like a doll a child-sized doll and like, no, people said it's just a shelf what are you on about and then all of a sudden it was like in your face and I was like told you it was a doll <laughs> and like, they jumped and popcorn went everywhere I gave myself a black eye watching the woman in black so I was watching the woman in black and there's a jump scare yeah and I jumped and hit myself and pushed the plastic bit of my glasses into my eye and ended up with a shiner for like a week and a half <laughs> like a proper scooby dude it <laughs> tell us about this haunted doll then in the 1970s a nurse named donna was given a doll soon after it arrived in her home she and her roommate angie began to notice that the doll moved by itself i would have set it and my apartment on fire and moved out at that point but at first these were just little mo- movements and they kind of explained it away until it grew, until they would find the doll in different rooms. This wasn't the only strange activity though. They would find notes written on parchment paper, a type of paper they didn't own, and these would be hidden around the house and they'd have messages such as help me written on them. On another occasion, the two came home and saw drops of blood on the doll's hand and chest, but could find no source for it. One night when Andy's boyfriend Lou was staying over, he woke up and felt like he was unable to move. Now, as he laid there paralysed, he saw the animal doll, quote, at his feet and watched as it slowly glided up his leg and over his chest. Before he knew it, the doll had began to strangle him until he blacked out. When he woke up the next day, he was positive the experience was not a dream. Lou seemed to be the target of the doll's malevolence. On a later occasion, he heard rustling noises coming from Donna's room. He approached the closed door and waited for the noises to stop before entering. He turned on the light and saw Annabelle laying on the floor in a corner. He walked over to the doll, but as he did, he began to sense that someone was behind him. He spun around, but no one was there. He then doubled over in pain in, with a pain in his chest. And when they looked, they discovered seven claw-like scratches on his chest, which were hot, almost like burns. And because I know you, I found out that four of the scratches were horizontal and three were vertical. Strangely, just two days later, they were gone, leaving no trace. That's so odd. It really is. It's the fact I had to go and find out what the scratches looked like because I knew you would ask me because that's how your logical brain works. And as I was looking up, I was like, I could hear your voice in my head. So I've really got to stop like? spending so much time with Emily. <laughs> They're good questions. Other people would think this too. Oh, ve- very true. I mean, at that point, I would have set the house, the doll, on well, fire. Doll would not be in the house. Not at all. Well, in fact, the doll would be in the house. I would not be in the house. <laughs> you have the house. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just going to take the dog and leave. <laughs> I'll even pay the rent for a few months. So what did they end up doing then? So at first they called in a psychic medium 
and during a seance they received a message from the spirit of a seven-year-old girl named Annabelle Higgins. The spirit asked to stay and the roommate said yes. I mean really? Yeah, yeah the roommate said yes. I'm guessing Lou wasn't too keen on that. I mean... So they've invited this spirit to stay. Does that make the end of the story? It doesn't. I really wish this was a video so people could see the face you just pulled because it was amazing. No. When the demonologist Ed and Lorraine Warren, who we're planning to look at in a bonus post next year, heard the story, they contacted Donna and Angie and conducted their own investigation. The Warrens discovered that it was a demonic presence manipulating the doll while searching for a human host. I mean, that sounds really bad. So what did they then do? So they removed the doll from the house, but this wasn't an easy task, as when they were driving back to their museum with the doll, the steering wheel and the brakes of their car malfunctioned and only began to work correctly when they sprinkled holy water on the doll. I mean, I'd be putting the doll in a vat of it, to be quite honest. Yeah. So where is Annabelle kept now? So she is kept at the Warrens Museum of the Occult in Connecticut. She's housed in a glass-fronted cabinet with a sign that reads, Warning, positively, do not open. So if she's kept in a, this glass cabinet with a sign that says don't open, does that mean that she can or she can't hurt anyone else? Well, allegedly she's responsible for, for one death, even from inside her case. Well, how she managed that? So the story goes that a young couple visited the museum and as Ed Warren was giving the tour, the young man started to mock the doll and while doing so, he ran up and began tapping on the glass of the case. He challenged the doll to put scratches on him like he had supposedly done to Lou. Ed kicked the young man out of the museum. Three hours later, as he and his girlfriend were riding home on his motorbike, he lost control and hit a tree. Now, his girlfriend survived, even though she needed an extended stay in hospital, but the young man died at the scene. I mean, that's definitely some kind of revenge. Is it true? I mean, the doll is in the museum. That bit's true. Skeptics would say no, and some have argued that the Warrens were fakes, just out to make money, whilst others see them as... Some see them as just wanting to help those under attack from paranormal forces. I think it's one of those cases where it's up to you to decide. Right, this whole thing like with curses and it fits yeah. the same kind of category, doesn't it? It's whether or not you believe in it. But the Warrens definitely divide opinion and I'm quite looking forward to looking into them a bit more. But I mean, that's not the only haunted doll. There's a few. There's something about dolls which are inherently creepy. Yes. They just are. I don't know why. I don't know. Sometimes I, I, I mean, I like Doctor Who. And mm. you know how sometimes in Doctor Who, like, the animated things come alive and they're bad? Yes. See, sometimes I'm sitting at my desk late at night writing some gory detail for an After Dark podcast. And I realise that I am surrounded by action figures and robots. And I get slightly worried for my safety. Fair. Just before we move on from Annabelle, um, you might have seen on social media a few months back this whole thing Annabelle has escaped was trending and there was like some mass hysteria that Annabelle somehow got out of her case and was uh, about to go on a murder spree. I think it's interesting that it's really captured people's imagination. Yeah, I guess a lot of that is because it is so big in pop culture with the films. So next up, we have the Black-Eyed Children, also known as the Black-Eyed Kids. So they're an internet urban legend which has spread. I didn't know anything about these, so what are Black-Eyed Children? So they are said to be creatures which resemble children aged, aged between 6 and 16, 
with pale skin and black eyes who are often seen hitchhiking, asking people for a ride, which I guess is the same as hitchhiking, or appearing on the doorstep of a house. And when did this legend begin? So it's an American legend which some believe was first reported in the 1980s, whilst most agree it began in a 1996 posting written by a Texas reporter, Brian Bethel, on a ghost-related mailing list in which he claims to have encountered two of the creatures in Abilene, Texas. So have there been documented cases in there? The internet is chock full of people's encounters with black-eyed children. One of the most well-known accounts was said to have taken place in Vancouver. So one night a couple heard a knock at their door. When they opened it they saw two children standing there. These children were alone, staring at the floor and not dressed for the cold. They asked to come inside and the couple agreed. Despite the fact they agreed, apparently the couple's instincts were screaming at them to slam the door. Anyway, they welcome the children inside and the wife goes into the kitchen to make them all hot cocoa. The husband is in the front room with the children and as you might expect, he's trying to get more information from them to find out where they came from. While she's in the kitchen, the wife notices that her cat, who was normally friendly and liked to greet visitors, was hidden under the table hissing and growling at the children. When she finished making the drinks, she returned to the front room and found her husband with his head in his hands. When she asked him what was wrong, he complained that he felt dizzy. As she tried to hand the drinks to the children, she was shocked as they looked up and asked to use the restroom. As they looked at her, she noticed that their eyes were completely black. When the husband and wife were alone, she asked the husband if he had seen their eyes. When he looked up, they noticed that his nose was bleeding. Before she could reach the bathroom to get a cloth, the power went out. Feeling her way to the bathroom, the wife was startled once more when the two children were standing in the hallway. Before she could ask what they were doing, the children said, Our parents are here. Turning, she saw two large men dressed all in black standing at the edge of their driveway. She waved but neither responded and the children left the house leaving the door wide open. So what happened after the kids left? So apparently it took an hour and a half for the power to come back on and a few weeks later three of their four cats were missing and the one that had been hissing was found dead in a puddle of its own blood. The husband continued to get dizzy and have nose fees and when he went to the doctor he was diagnosed with an aggressive form of skin cancer common in those who use tanning beds which he claims he's never used. The wife also got dizzy and had nosebleeds, as well as other horrors which she's refused to discuss. So, are they real? I mean, there are thousands of, of accounts of people encountering these black-eyed children, and you can go read their, their stories for yourself um, on the internet, but there's no hard proof either way. That's just really creepy. It really is. It feels like one of those cases where something started on the internet and by just sheer force of will and repeating the story it's almost become real a little bit like the slender man i guess if you do find yourself approached by black eyed children do not let them into the house or the car no i mean i'm not really going to be picking up anyone on the side of the road it's that thing though isn't it i guess you're always more trusting i guess of children there's this thing that demons will mimic a child because people will let their guards down and it allows a demon to get closer which i guess makes sense yeah, I mean, if there's two people on the side of the road, one's a man and one's a child, I'm going to be helping a kid, but that's just... Yeah, if we're hardwired to, really, though, aren't yeah. we? Care for the young. Yeah, and you obviously have it ingrained... As a woman, you have this ingrained thing in the back of your brain saying, don't let a man into mm. your car. 
because so many stories of murders are from women that are too kind. And there was, um, obviously using kids, there was a report going around a few months ago that a gang around Norfolk were put in a pram with like a, obviously fake baby in on the roads on the back roads and one woman was really lucky she ended up having someone with her in the car and they hadn't realized but she got out because she'd seen this pound with someone something inside of it and she was a mum so she was like i can't drive past it if there's a baby in there she got out and very quickly found a gang that were gonna basically take her and take the car but because she wasn't alone they very quickly disappeared because I think her husband was in the car with her so they were using that and it went viral that this was a new way of trying to get women out of their cars in the middle of the night because I know if I saw an abandoned pram with a child inside of it I would stop mm. I don't know many people that wouldn't I always check my back seat yeah I'm just always like yep yeah, that's good I mean, I don't know what I'll ever do if I get in check and there's someone there. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. It's like that thing is like you check behind the shower curtain, but there's actually somebody there. I'll just be like, I hate the shower curtains. Shower curtains are the world's worst thing. <laughs> Too many horror films and shower curtains. Mm-hmm. When we had a shower curtain um, at our old house, obviously you kind of have to put it across because then when it dries, so it, so it dries properly. Wait for it to dry and then I'll be like, nope. And then push the shower the whole way. I'm like, dry. It's not ever going to be across the bath, especially at night. It's like, um, I remember watching, the first time I watched Sleepy Hollow, I watched it with my dad and stepmom. And so we'd watch Sleepy Hollow and then it came to like bedtime. So we had to let the dog out. Now our old house, the back door was a stable door. So we yeah. used to just open the top and like lean across to let the dog in and out. And neither me or my stepmom would put our heads out the stable door to get the dog in. Don't we made my it. dad do it. There's something about a stable doors as well, isn't there? <laughs> so what's up next? So next we're looking at Leila Rona, known as the Weeping Woman or the Wailer. She featured in the film The Curse of Leila Rona. I can't say I've ever heard of that. So what's the story? It's actually a really good film. So the story varies a little depending on which source you're using, as most good legends do. However, the most typical version is that there was a woman named Maria who was married to a rich man and they had two children. One day, Maria sees her husband with another woman and in a fit of rage, she drowns their children. Seeing what she's done, she's filled with regret and when she is unable to save them, she drowns herself. In another version of the story, her children are illegitimate and she drowns them so that their father won't take them away to be raised by his wife. Whilst the killing of the children is consistent, is the consistent detail, there is a version in which she stabs them, so it's not always drowning. Because she killed her children, she's not able to enter the afterlife with them, and so became a lost soul who wanders the earth looking for her children, and is often wailing. She's been made into kind of like a, a bogeywoman, used by parents to scare their children into good behaviour. I mean, it does sound kind of terrifying. Mm. So where has this legend come from? Okay, I'm going to apologise now because we're going to get into some Aztec goddesses' names and that's just going to go wrong. Always fun. Always fun. So there's no definitive answer, is the simple answer. It's said to have pre-Hispanic roots. 
and Leila Rona is one of the ten omens who foretold the conquest of Mexico and as I said she's also been linked to Ad Aztec goddesses. The Florentine Codex which was a 16th century encyclopedic work on the Nauha peoples of Mexico written by a Franciscan monk links her to two Aztec goddesses. The first is Siwakwant, snake woman. She is described as a savage beast and evil omen who appeared in white and would walk at night weeping and wailing. She's also described as an omen of war. The second is Chanti Klinkwe, the jade skirted one, the goddess of the waters and the elder sister of the rain god Tlok. She was said to drown people and overturn boats and ceremonies in the honour of the rain gods in including Siwakwant, involve the sacrifice of children. These sacrificial victims were brought from their mothers and the more the children cried, the more successful the sacrifice was thought to have been. Lovely. So what happens to those who see and hear her? Again, there are differing versions. Some say she kidnaps or attacks children, whilst others say she only attacks cheating husbands. One consistent seems to be, though, if you do hear her, run. Have there been any more modern cases related to her. Yes. In 1986, a Mexican woman named Kuhana Lija, I'm really sorry if I pronounced that wrong, attempted to kill her seven children by throwing them into the Buffalo Bayou in Houston, Texas. Two of her children drowned. Now, she was a victim of domestic violence and was apparently trying to end her suffering and that of her children. But during an interview, she claimed that she was Leila Rona. I mean... Again, terrifying. She kind of sounds like she's almost related to the legend of a banshee as well. Yeah, that's what I thought. And also the the woman in white who's like looking for her family. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Seems to be a bit of a mixture. Yeah, this is the thing. It's kind of pulled in from different things like the the Aztec goddesses. and, And as we looked at in your human sacrifice podcast, that idea of sacrifice is very ingrained with the Aztecs, so you can see where it's come from. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd uh, want to meet any of these, to be honest. No, especially the pretty dolls. The thing is, it says that um, the young man came off his motorbike, hit a tree and died three hours after being at the museum. Mm. Now, the logical part of my brain says he was obviously showing off at the museum to impress the woman he was with. Yeah. Well, what's to say he wasn't showing off riding his motorbike? They're not the most stable of vehicles anyway. He was going a bit fast and he just lost control and, and we're linking, we're adding two and two and making five just because yeah. it, it sort of seems to fit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think with that story though, it's the fact that the girlfriend survived because if you both hit that tree on a motorbike... Yeah, but he'd have been at the front. True. Don't forget. If he's hit that tree hard enough to basically kill him on impact. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. You know, the likely chances are that she may also have died. But it, it was a long road to recover. It's not like she walked yeah. away with just a scratch. No. But no, I, I do see what you're saying. It's just like a little bit like we looked at with the Bell Witch and the people who took stones and then became convinced that's what was bringing them bad luck and sending them back. Yeah. It's this, this thing of believing it and so it happens. You know, like we said with the Slender Man and the Black Eyed Children, is it the fact that these stories have been told and told and told? They've become fact through the virtue of them being told over and over again. Yeah, definitely wouldn't want to meet any of those though. No, not at all. We hope you've enjoyed these bonus podcasts and we'll see you in the next podcast. <laughs>